Lurking beneath the surface of an idyllic lake is something wilder than anything we could imagine. Is it a prehistoric beast still alive after centuries or a family of misunderstood creatures who just want some peace of their own? This week's episode is The Loch Ness Monster. Up bump in the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. Nessie! <laughs> oh man <laughs> I gotta say I am blown away at the amount of time resources and money that have been poured into trying to determine if this thing is real or not reckless government spending it is I mean, a small country could have been fed. It's like we said for years and years. Nexium, the hundred million dollars they paid old Keith Raniere or whatever for his yeah, legal bills. Yeah, imagine what you could do with that. Think of all the money, the Nessie money. You and gotta guess, keep Nessie safe. I guess it's the same thing as archaeologists or paleontologists <laughs> wanting to learn things from the past and maybe that can help you discover new things. But also, is it really going to change our lives? We've got to know what's in the lot, Christy. <laughs> If we discover that there's a giant sea creature living in this lock. Well, we'll get to that at the end. What happens when the government has determined what to do when we there find her? There is a protocol in place. Not if. When. When. When, when, when we, we find, find her. her. Also, let this bitch rest. <laughs> I mean, if she is down there, and yes, I think she's a she. Well, I guess Nessie is she. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Uh, gender is a social construct. Nessie can be whatever she yeah. wants. She's gender neutral. Ness- Nessie's living their life down yes. there. Yes. Well, they're probably tired of trying to evade these idiots that are trying to poke and prod her. They're trying to like lay in my muck at the bottom of the ocean or the bottom <laughs> of the lock want- and you fools are... I have had a day of searching <laughs> for food and I'm just trying to watch my stories before I turn in for the night. But I got 600 sonar beams I'm trying to beep, avoid. Beep, beep. It's not quiet. Sonar is, makes yeah, a sound. Yeah, it's, it's like very it's annoying. like trying to sleep when your faucet's dripping. You're yes. like, God damn it. <laughs> Do I get up and deal with this? Or my whole thing is my dog's licking. Ooh. And the night. I don't know if it's pronounced misophonia or misophonia. Oh, where the sound of chewing. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. I have it. And there are certain noises that trigger me into a full-blown rage. Did, oh, I thought you meant misothelioma. <laughs> There's an 800 number you can call for that. I wish there was an 800. No, this is misophonia. Okay. And it's when... I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. I used to work with somebody. We sat as close as you and I are sitting, which is about four feet away. And if I would try to eat food... Oh, don't do He that. would say... You have to stop the crunching. Yeah, and yeah. one day I, we got delayed. We were working too much and I hadn't had lunch. And I just said, I have to eat. So I'm going to go in the other room. And my laptop was there. So I'm I'm, I'm going to leave. Or my computer. I'm going to leave. I got to eat. Yeah. I'm sorry. Your ears are you know upsetting what? you. Good on you on leaving, though, and not just making him listen to that. I'm not going to put a bag of Doritos down. I don't care. I'll go to another room. Because people don't think it's a real thing. And no. they're just like, stop being a little bitch. Just no. deal with it. And I'm like... You don't understand how certain sounds, it's not something I control. can control. They literally send me, I have like, 
blind rage. And one of them <laughs> is my dogs licking themselves. Yeah. To the point where now we have to put them in other rooms when we sleep because it gives me so much anxiety. It'll wake me up and then I'll just get like so mad and then I'll get anxiety and I can't go back to sleep thinking it's about to happen again, which are all the classic symptoms of this. I also had a company-wide memo sent out by HR once because a guy in my cubicle area would not stop popping his gum oh there's a great episode of the dig van dyke show where sally is out so they get different secretaries in uh-huh. and she the wife says hey honey like how's work and he goes we had a gum popper a girdle snapper and a giggler like they each had <laughs> some think, sort of yeah. sound that was yeah. bothering them yeah oh this was i emailed hr and was like pop in your you've gum. got to do something because i'm gonna go crazy she was like, why don't you just tell him to stop? I was like, because I'm not that person. You're like, no, I'm going to throw a book at his face. <laughs> so she sent out a company-wide email reminding people to be courteous of sounds. and Please be aware. He did not realize it was directed at him. They never do. I sent a follow-up email. <laughs> to him or to her? To her. Okay. And then she sent a direct email to him Sometimes, saying, hey, this is about you. When you're dealing, when you're managing the resource that is humans, you have to be very direct sometimes. Yep. A lot of times. Other yeah. times, it, somebody... it was gum popping and drumming his fingers oh, on the go to desk hell. and um, like drumming, like like actual drumming, yes. like how you would drum. So I, this is funny. I was just at Company Cafe. It's my favorite restaurant in oh, Dallas. I love Fun Company fact. Cafe. And I was waiting for my friend to come join me for breakfast. And there was a table that was sat and it was a, an elderly couple, maybe in their, not super elderly, they're in their 60s, 70s, maybe retirement age. And obviously their daughters. So two daughters, adult ages in their 30s and one of the daughter's husbands. Mm-hmm. So the dad goes outside to make a phone call. The mom goes to the bathroom. The pregnant, I should have mentioned the one with the husband is pregnant mm-hmm. pregnant one leaves so all that's left is brother-in-law and one of the sisters they're playing dream weaver dream <laughs> with it. Dream this lady oh struck. wait dream weaver or what's that dream on dream on that's okay one. by they're, aerosmith correct yeah. they're playing dream on dream weaver is dream oh weaver. dream nope, weaver not that one from wayne's world wayne's world yeah. yes no this is the uh, dream on by aerosmith yeah okay this, the restaurant nobody else is Who's singing playing it the restaurant just oh, plays okay, it overhead okay. The lady at the table, and this poor guy was just beat down, you could tell, but the sister starts singing, and she's an adult, she's in her 30s, and just starts being like, dream out, dream (laughs) out. Why? Why? No one else in the restaurant is singing. Was she being funny? No. She was like, Honestly, this kind of sounds like something I would do, but it would be like funny. She was loudly and non-ironically singing and then that's not something i would do it would be ironically another another song starts and she started singing that one too but then everybody comes back and sits at the table and the mother they had ordered the food so they had all unfurled their silverware mm-hmm. when you unfurl your silverware i don't put it on the triggered table. triggered when you unfurl your silverware you put it on the side plate or you don't unfurl it until the food i come. set it on the napkin thank you you can put it on the napkin they had put it on the table the mother proceeds to Mm -mm. take the knife is lying yeah you're covering your ears right now oh my god i'm literally like sweating and have tingles because i don't even have mesothelium when this upset me (laughs) it was just this like lot like it's just the knife the butter knife is sitting on the table and she's just taking the fork and just ding 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 
ding as she's talking and i thought well i know why the daughter's a dumbass her mother is too and me and my friend and my friend had had a migraine that morning and had like woken up and taken medicine and it was a champ and came out to meet me uh, because we have our monthly breakfast and we didn't want to miss it and we're just looking at each other like what is wrong oh my god and i just turned and i was like susan i'm gonna f-, i just decided her name was susan i was like susan i'm gonna take this fucking silverware away from you and just shove them up your ass it was uh, just think for two seconds was she dinging it on her cup she was dinging on her glass the fork was l- this knife the butter knife was laying supine on the table got it and she had hoisted the fork up just barely and was ding Ding, ding. No. For no reason. No reason. Oh, my God. How long help? did it go on? Far too long. What felt like hours, but mostly probably was It the... would be all I could focus on in that moment. Oh, it was. And I would have nothing but hatred. Kay and and I it's nothing talk. I'm we proud of. It's not a... And, and it's, it's like people get divorced over this. Seriously. They... I mean, they, they honestly, like, can't spend time with their families. I read this whole article about this girl who's an adult now but this started when she was eight and she couldn't be around her family during dinner time because it was it sounds maddening yeah it would drive her crazy vacation the chewing yes usually it's 90 percent of the time it's mouth noises mm. and so she would have to go to her bedroom and she felt so isolated and alienated it's actually very sad oh definitely but people think you're just being an asshole and like i wasn't being an asshole about it here these people were oh, being for these, sure. They were menaces. They that's insane. I thought you were gonna say that's bad. I thought you were gonna say, and I have physically yanked silverware out of Tommy's hands before when he put a butter knife through the tines oh. of the fork. Oh, looks <laughs> like you're gonna vomit. I, I. It's a thing. It's a thing. I'm a lot. I'm a lot to handle. <laughs> Tommy is it. a saint. But I don't even remember how this came up. You were talking about you didn't want to hear oh, your dog because, licking. Yeah, because poor Nessie. What if Nessie has misophonia? That's what she just wants to be down there and the sonar is just beeping her. She's finally found a quiet place where she can just be herself. And then, nope. <laughs> then we all come along. Hey, what are you doing down there? And just try and like, ruin her peace and quiet. Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. <sighs> well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. This week we are talking about Loch Ness Monster. Nessie. We actually had two people say after the White Rock machete one how tough that was. Two people messaged us and said, if you guys want to do something lighthearted like Loch Ness, nobody will be mad about it. <laughs> It'll be cool. We wept openly in yes. that episode. And I was so. like, that's actually kind of fun. It's a fun cryptid. We've had a Or uh, is she? I don't know. Real. That's the thing with all cryptids. Are they real or yes, are they not? Real. Well, and in our Facebook live Q&A for our Patreon, they asked what cryptid we want, want to meet. And that's I true. said, Nessie, yeah. Loch Ness Monster is my favorite yes. cryptid. So thank you I for indulging she me. she would be a really fun guest. And I imagine she... To me, she looks like a brontosaurus. Definitely. So, and my I favorite dinosaur those... is an apatosaurus. Oh, which one? Looks one's similar that? to a brontosaurus. It looks similar. You know what? I think I, was I think a brontosaurus is real today. Yes, that is what I do <laughs> with with Ella, not just on my own. <laughs> and I think that dinosaur was on there. I think that was one apatosaurus. Yeah, That's my favorite dinosaur. Because I was like, this looks like a brontosaurus, but it's not a brontosaurus. Mm. Okay, yeah, it was. It had like little bitty nubs on its head. I think so. Yeah. It, and it looks, it just looks like similar to a brontosaurus. I think brontosaurus is my favorite. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. I like, like the little foot. eaters. Little foot. Oh, yes. That movie's so good. So I think this is a water little foot. Yes. Nessie. That's exactly what I imagine Nessie to look like as a water, an aquatic little foot, if you will. All right. Well, where is she? Where is she? Where is she located? <sighs> Let's get into it. Loch Ness, located in the Scottish Highlands, is the largest body of freshwater in Britain. 
holding more water in it than all the other lakes in England, Scotland, and Wales combined. A loch is the Irish, Scottish, and Gaelic word for lake or sea inlet. The loch, fed by seven major rivers, never freezes as it contains over 16 million gallons of water with a surface area of 14,000 acres. For comparison, the New York borough of Manhattan is 14,600 acres. So just a little bit bigger than New York City. That's crazy. It's, it's a big it's, lock. It's, it's a big one. No, it's I, a little bit smaller. Sorry, Manhattan's slightly a, smaller. Manhattan's slightly bigger than this. You could hide a dinosaur in Manhattan. In fact, Ooh, copyright Wasn't that book. a movie? <laughs> well, I'm just saying we should make a book called Dinosaur Ghost, Dinosaur in Manhattan, and it's about a dinosaur that gets... Dinosaur's <laughs> Day Out. And it's so good. Dinosaur. Danny and the Dinosaur was a good kid's book. We love that one. Danny and the Dinosaur? Yeah, Danny and the Dinosaur. I don't remember that one. He had one. one single dinosaur. I think it was a brontosaurus. Oh, because they're, they're the they're cutest. The they And they seem like the sweetest and most mild man. Probably the only one appropriate to hang out with a child, too. Yeah. It'd be fun to slide down their neck. That's what he did. Oh, see? Gosh. I'm going to read that. I'm going to get it for Ella. Get it. Because of its great depth, the lock contains a thermocline at about 100 feet deep. A thermocline is a steep temperature gradient in a body of water, such as a lake, marked by a layer above and below in which the water is at different temperatures. So you could be swimming along and then you dive down and it gets significantly colder. Or you swim through a warm spot and you're like, am I in a pool on 4th of July? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes, though, if you're really cold in a lake, like when I went to Lake Tahoe, that lake is deceptively cold. Do you think it's haunted? Um, No, I think it's just really, it's fed by that glacier. Oh, that's really cold. (laughs) But what I was going to say is sometimes I would just pee to warm myself up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't pee in lakes because I'm afraid of a thing swimming in my pee-pee hole. My urethra. How would that work? Does I read a thing that said that if you pee, it opens your urethra, which thusly leaves space for a parasite you have to on, swim up. Are you swimming naked? Every time. <laughs> no, I <laughs> apparently can swim through your bathing suit. Bacteria so it attracts it? I don't think it attracts it. I think by virtue of your pee hole being open, that bacteria. If one happened to be swimming that way when you're peeing. In Lake Tahoe. <laughs> does not. It goes up in your urethra. <laughs> does not stay in Lake Tahoe. No, it goes up comes your, back to Dallas with you and is there for a long time. Inside of your urethra. Well, I was pregnant at the time. So honestly, I don't know if something swam up inside me or not. I don't think I would have been able to you tell. You pushed it out. Because I already had something up inside me. She's like, get out of here. <laughs> maybe, We're full. Maybe it was a little unlikely friendship. Occupado. Ella <laughs> The baby and, and the, the parasite. And the parasite. <laughs> when mommy gets a, her parasite. <laughs> and then when I had her, they both came out. And they high-fived each other on the yeah, way Yeah, yeah. That's how we... It's like when you release a uh, pet alligator into the sewers. And that... <laughs> and it becomes a thing, which is also a thing in Manhattan. Yes. Uh, also, a new movie coming out. Gators in Manhattan? No, it's... Uh, shit. What is the new one called? Where a gator... A crocodile's on the loose. Crocodile and there's like Dundee. a big flood happening and it's killing everybody. Is it scary or funny? It's supposed to be one of those like oh. Sharknado or uh, Anaconda. Oh, I went to the Dallas World Aquarium the other day. How was it? And I saw an Anaconda. What? And those things are very scary. How big was it? Oh, they it have was an wrapped anaconda? around. How does it not escape and kill people? Well, they have it in a tank. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. If, have you seen have the you Ice seen Cube movie? It didn't the matter John for him. Voight movie? Um, it was wrapped around a bunch of stuff, so I'm not sure, but uh, probably probably at least 12 to 15 feet, That's, I would imagine. Oh. I think they caught one recently, the longest one they've ever killed, that was like they 30 feet. They killed it? 
Yeah, because humans are assholes. Yeah. It was in Florida. My brother told me this, and it was eating other things. Oh, I think that's it was tough. in Everglades. I don't know. It's kind of survival of the fittest. That's I guess so. If, you're, if your uh, Honda Fit can't survive a anaconda eating it, you probably need to have yeah, that car. Yeah, then get something else. Well, because of a high peak content in the surrounding soil of the lock, visibility in the water is low. And with the deepest point in the lock being 755 feet, it is virtually impossible to see what might be lurking in the shadowy depths. Perfect place to hide. Mm. The first recorded report of a monster in Loch Ness dates all the way back to the 6th century AD. A book by a dominant called Life of St. Columba is the tale of an Irish monk called St. Columba who encountered locals burying a man beside the river Ness, a tributary that feeds into the loch. When St. Columba asked what happened to the man, the locals explained that while swimming in the river, he was attacked by a water beast that mauled him and dragged him beneath the water's surface. He got taken by a water beast. (laughs) The locals tried to rescue the man, but by the time they reached him, he was dead. When St. Columba sent a companion into the water to investigate, the beast showed itself. I'm First sorry. of all, like bait. <laughs> um, do that. Do your own dirty work. Don't send somebody in. Go down there and see if you can find the beast. It's like I, I don't like, want to. I know you're a saint and all, but <laughs> I am not doing that. That is not happening. I'm going to be eaten. <laughs> Go down there. Saint Columba made the sign of the cross and said, "Go no further. Do not touch the man. Go back at once." The beast slunk back beneath the water. The locals thanked St. Columba and praised the incident as a miracle. Nobody's thanked this guy that went into the, the water guy. died. I'm still here. I'm Good still Lord. hanging on. In 1871, a man named D. McKenzie of Balnain allegedly saw a log-shaped object wriggling and churning up the water. However, it wasn't until the 1930s, when interest in the monster increased, that McKinsey wrote about this event in a letter to a friend. Well, that's convenient, isn't it? He's like, I once saw something as well. <laughs> and I'm going to memorialize it. I'm going it. to make sure I write this down so everyone knows it really happened. It's like someone marking themselves safe on Facebook when they weren't even nearby. <laughs> yeah, it's like... You weren't even... Okay. We weren't we, concerned. We don't live anywhere near that city. Mm-mm. So... Interest in the monster spiked significantly after May 2nd, 1933, when the Ivernus Courier published the account of a couple who claimed to see a, quote, enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface earlier in April. The newspaper was the first to call the creature a monster and arguably start the media sensation. This is a legitimate newspaper, in yeah. theory. Up, yeah. uh, up in the ranks with the National Enquirer, you know, publishing the truth, getting the truth out there. There's a paper. The paper. There, is this the British National Enquirer? I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Newspapers from London sent correspondents to Scotland to investigate and even prompted a circus to offer a 20,000 pound sterling reward, about $480,000 in today's U.S. dollars, for its capture. So they were not playing around. This is 1933. They were given 20,000 pounds. I think back then, it's not just a National Enquirer story. This no, is something was- people are legitimately scared about. They couldn't prove it or disprove it, so they just believed it. They read it in the newspaper. It was a different time. I think so. Later that year, July 22nd, 1933, a man named George Spicer and his wife saw a most extraordinary form of animal cross the road in front of their car. A bridge recently opened earlier that year, leading more traffic to the area and thus more sightings. Spicer and his wife described the creature being about four feet high and 25 feet long, 
with a long, wavy, narrow neck, slightly thicker than an elephant's trunk, and as long as the 10 to 12 foot width of the road. So, so it sounds like a brontosaurus. I found a brontosaurus. <laughs> that fall, in November of 1933, a man named Hugh Gray supposedly photographed the creature. Although the original negative was lost, the grainy photograph captured the same creature allegedly seen by the Spicers. So I think he took the photo and then they saw it and said, yeah, that's, that's, that's what the same we saw. thing. That's what we saw. Can you zoom in? And he said, I've lost the negative. Yeah. Conveniently. <laughs> Interesting. Gray's photo was the first taken of the monster and local newspapers were chomping at the bit for the picture. After being published in the Daily Express, a frenzy ensued prompting the Secretary of State for Scotland to issue an order for police to prevent any attacks on the mysterious beast. Well, that's good. They want to... I like this. They yeah. want to protect Nessie. Americans would be like, give you give you 50 bucks, boom, boom, bring me this thing's head. Bring me the head on a platter. <laughs> we're going to yeah. we're gonna barbecue it, eat it, and then <laughs> mount it on our wall. I yeah. want to taste that meat. They were respectful of this creature. Yes, they it's... just wanted they wanted to make sure it was safe and, and kept out of harm's way. Definitely. You want to keep the, all the interlopers from out of town coming in and killing their, their I majestic like beats. I respect that. Skeptics of this photo have pointed to the fact that Gray's dog was with him on that day and that perhaps the grainy image actually showed the pup fetching a stick from the lock. I think I know the difference between a dog and a dinosaur. Do you? <laughs> I think, though, they... Because it was such an odd perspective of the photo, they think the dog's head was like, the way it was positioned looked like the head of Nessie. Hmm. Others allege that when enhanced, the photo shows nothing more than an otter rolling around on the surface of the lake. Again, I know the difference between a dino and an otter. Did otter, they in the so 1930s? Cute. Maybe not. Maybe they didn't I've know. always thought otters were cute, and then my friend Melanie told me... <gasps> Don't ruin otters. <laughs> okay, I won't tell you. Wait, no, now I want to know. All I can think... ruin it. They... The male otters forcibly <gasps> make the female otters have sex with them. Oh, my God. And they, like, hold them underwater. When oh, they my God. <laughs> I know. I posted something on Instagram. This was years ago about how cute otters was. And she DM me. She's like, every time somebody says an otter's cute, I have to tell them that this is what they did. She's an otter truther. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> what you don't know about your otter <laughs> just may shock you. And they always show that some insurance commercial where the otter's doing little crunches. And he's like, 99, 100. And he's on his back doing these little crunches. He's holding otter hands with those. That's they hold was... hands so they don't float away from each other. I know. I thought that was so cute. I they are cute. They, held they, hands have, be... they have a dark side god, god i thought they all hands because they loved each other they, i think they do and so they don't float away and oh. so they're not by themselves that's really i know sad. It's, it's upsetting i'm sorry i feel like i'm, I'm sorry really everybody upset you. this is your now i have to throw away my otter beanie baby oh no don't they're probably worth something hell yeah i'm gonna be rich in 1934 a veterinary student named arthur grant was on a late night motorcycle ride across the lock at approximately 1 a.m Grant claims he accidentally hit the creature. I've That's got to be shocking. <laughs> briefly fell off my motorcycle going about 10 miles an hour. I can't imagine hitting a dinosaur. Yeah. I'm just calling Nessie a dinosaur. I just decided. <laughs> my theory is that she's a dinosaur, and we'll get into my theory at the end when you say, what do we think? Today, I Googled what constitutes a dinosaur. Oh, what does? The, I'm glad that you didn't think it was dumb. No, it's great. I want to know. Because I was watching Dinosaur Train and I thought, why are they all called dinosaurs? It's a great question. It's and a, Tommy's it, like, well, we call 
all fish fish even though some might not be technically fish but is it like pornography when they say i'll know it when i see it it's a dinosaur (laughs) i can't define a dinosaur but i know it when i see it it is specific well first of all all dinosaurs are reptilian okay i agree and they are all from the mesozoic era okay and traditionally what about jurassic park that's the jurassic era but that came, I think Mesozoic era came first. So okay. they were all in the Mesozoic okay. era. And then the Jurassic era was next. We're probably going to get a lot. Please of- don't DM us. We'll, <laughs> we'll look at Wikipedia. I'll afterwards. just watch Jurassic Park. Because on Dinosaur Train, I'm talking a lot about this PBS kids show, but they take a, the Dinosaur Train allows them to time travel to different <sighs> dinosaur eras. I love it. Yeah. It's actually very interesting. And so today it was all about Pangea. Oh, I was so into Pangea. It was very as a kid. interesting. Yeah. I love the idea of Pangea. It, well, they all went back and where they give you the like. map when you're a kid, and you cut it up, and mm-hmm, then you glue the pieces mm-hmm. all back together. They went back to when it was Pangea before everything had split. What a stupid thing for me to say. I was very in. into Pangea as a kid. I was though. I don't know how else Pangea, to say it. No, I think I was too. I remember. I've all like Pangea sticks with me. It's fascinating. I've made several Pangea jokes in improv shows. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Pangea. Pangea, like, it's a fun word to say. Step out to the, the lip of the stage, just so you all know what Pangea was. I just want you to know. Yeah. You and then nobody laughs, so I have to go and explain it. I you break the rubes. fourth wall and explain to everyone why that was funny. So this guy ran into a dinosaur with his motorcycle. Allegedly. Okay. Well, Grant's description matched that of the Spicers. The creature had a long neck with a small head on the end of it. When asked to describe it more specifically... Grant said it was a cross between a seal and a pliosaur, a type of Mesozoic marine reptile. He's, That's what a dinosaur is. I suppose if he's a veterinary student, he would know Maybe. dinosaurs. When, when Grant stepped off his motorcycle to get a closer look, he saw the beast sink beneath the surface, leaving only ripples behind. So he hit it and it jumped back in the lake. Here's my thing. <laughs> I don't think this guy hit anything because you would have... You fly off the motorcycle. You would have fucked up your motorcycle and probably been injured. If you hit a dog on a motorcycle, oh, that's going to cause some problems. If you so hit sad. a freaking dinosaur, you, it's like hitting a wall. I don't think wall. you live to tell the tale. Yeah, it'd be like hitting a wall. Yeah, maybe, it's like if, maybe you hit he, a, if you hit a cow in your car, that's a game. That's like a game ender a lot of times. It's a d- huge yeah. deal. Yeah. I think maybe he bumped over the tail. Oh, like a speed bump. Speed bump style. It's not fun to go over speed bump on a motorcycle, I no. will say, but it can be done. Those speed humps down Highland. Are you talking about city titties or speed bumps? No, they're speed humps that are those giant humps. Oh, that'll take your car out. I hate them because they don't ever have signs. And then they just you're upon them and they sneak up on you. You're like, oh, it's so jarring. You're like, I'm going to hit this. and I'm going too fast. Oh, you can take your like suspension out. I had had a blowout on a city titty maybe like three or four years ago. Mm. And for those of you who don't know, city titty is like a... (laughs) metal bump in the road that usually is to delineate between a going straight lane and a turn in yeah. left lane and it's just to force you to get far enough over to the left yeah. to make a left turn and there are these like little humps in the road we call them city titties i call them city titties they're huge though and they can really eat a hole mm-hmm. in your tire so i don't know i wouldn't want to hit a city titty or a road hump on a motorcycle much less a dinosaur no i'd never want to hit a dinosaur for lots of reasons <laughs> <laughs> well ge taylor a tourist from south africa was lucky enough to have his movie camera out when he was visiting Loch Ness on May 29, 1938. Upon seeing something moving in the water, Taylor turned the camera on and captured a full three-minute film of the monster on 16-millimeter color film. 
This is like the Zapruder film <laughs> of Lognes. Yeah. However, Maurice Burton, a British zoologist, popular science author, and well-known Nessie skeptic, obtained the film and concluded that the monster in the film was nothing more than a floating object. A floating monster. And we really need Oliver Stone to come in and make some <laughs> sense of this for us. We need a four-hour breakdown on this film. If we don't get it... I mean, this, I feel like we've unlocked how we can really get to the bottom of this. Why wouldn't, like, other places around the world have live stream cameras? Can you just do that? Maybe she's shy. Set it up? Yeah. It happens all the time. They but have, I mean, like, have Loch Ness should do it. Oh, like, like, well, government funded. Yeah. Although they spent a lot of money already. There is a whole organization to protect the lock slash. Nessie information and I think that they do have cameras. I know there's Nessie watching parties and all sorts of stuff. Uh worldcam.tv has a Nessie live. So I do we can love, watch right now. But it's really just a it's a wide shot. You wouldn't see it there, if she popped there's up. There's someone in this world that is glued to that 24/7 <laughs> just hoping I'll see it above all hopes that something pops its head out of the water. And if it does, it's probably an otter. Holding down another female otter beneath the water and having its way with her. Like, I I captured something on film. This must be destroyed. (laughs) People can't know the truth about otters. Well, perhaps one of the best-known photographs of the Beast of Loch Ness was taken by a London gynecologist named Dr. Robert Kenneth Wilson. Dr. Wilson's photo was published in the Daily Mail in April of 1934. At the time, Dr. Wilson did not want his name associated with the photos, leading the photos to be referred to as the surgeon's photographs. He's taking pictures of something else for a change. Mm. I guess you don't take a picture if you're a gynecologist. Maybe for mm, science. You shouldn't. <laughs> for science. <laughs> yeah, Those pictures still... in the in the in the science books get there somehow. That was I always think about the hand that rocks the cradle whenever I, I think don't remember of the gynecologist. Oh, who was in it? So many people right now are saying this the girl's name. I can't think of her name. Uh, Rebecca De Mornay. Oh yes, um, she was. That was the the lady's name that came from the homeless shelter in Seinfeld when she complained about the muffin stumps. Rebecca De Mornay. She goes, "I'm Rebecca De Mornay from the homeless shelter." <laughs> I caught that last night when I was watching. Really? The muffin, the Do they stumps. comment on how no, it's uh-uh, also celebrities? Uh-uh. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, she is married to a gynecologist. And he is doing unsavory things with his clients. Is that what that gets, whole movie's about? Well, one of the women that he sexually assaults sues him and he loses his license and everything. And Rebecca de Mornay and him, it causes a whole thing. Where Rebecca de Mornay is so bitter and wants revenge that she becomes the nanny of this woman. And what? unbeknownst to her, she's the wife of this doctor. Oh, no. And tries to kill get her husband to, well, yes, yeah, she does try to kill her and get her husband to cheat on her. <gasps> she also is crazy with this baby and like. So it's like, who's really watching like your breastfeeding child? it. Yeah, it's a weird. She, yeah, it's a whole thing. It's, I think it came out in the mid nineties. Oh, it's kind of creepy. I don't know if it holds up. I haven't seen it in a really long time. It's seems- some other crap fucked up stuff that goes on what was you say that seems like the most intimate thing is to have someone like watch your child and then it goes wrong Mm -hmm. oh yeah i had a gynecologist or to be 
spread eagle on a gynecology table and something go wrong. And the gynecologist makes a joke because I have an Abraham Lincoln tattoo. And he made a joke regarding my pubic hair (gasps) having to do with Abraham Lincoln. And I was laid out there. And what was the joke? If you're comfortable telling it. If I can remember properly, because I was pretty shocked at the time. Yeah. And I, because I have, I mean, obviously, if you're pantsless, they can see your tattoos. Sure. So you can see my right side. I have a pretty large Abraham. It's probably a little bit size, yeah. larger than a hand. Abraham Lincoln tattoo. And then he goes to the nether bits mm-hmm. and sees what shape my pubic hair is in, which is. Was it a top hat? <laughs> I had a tiny top hat. <laughs> No, it was, you know, well groomed with like a, a sort of a tuft that I believe the gynecologist mistook or uh, considered similar to Abraham Lincoln's chin. Okay, I was like, I see you're inspired by Abraham Lincoln wow. more than one way. Wow, I think we've heard this, but I, I think, think I may have I think told you've this. told this on another episode. He said something to maybe that effect. Slenderman, maybe because when we I thought we made some joke about me wearing a tiny top hat down my pants. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. I so, hope that was the last time you saw him. I have a new gynecologist now. Good for you. Dr. Gunderson. She's amazing. You know what? She sounds great. <laughs> she's amazing. I don't know anything about her, but she sounds great. She's made great. zero jokes about then my Then she's tattoo already better than this last guy. And said my cervix was gorgeous. So. Well, then the, she has two <laughs> two gold stars in her box. Then. <laughs> strikes. Or not strikes, but she has two. The yeah. opposite of strikes. Exactly. Well, strikes in a good way, like if you were a pitcher in baseball and you want to oh, get strikes. Oh, okay. Yeah, or bowling. That's weird. Some yes. things it's good. Some things it's Sometimes bad. Sometimes strikes are great. Yeah. All depends on how you look at it. According to Dr. Wilson, he was looking at the lock when he saw the monster begin to emerge. He then grabbed his camera and attempted to snap four photos in quick succession. Two of the four exposures came out properly. The first shows the beast's head and back, and the second shows the head in a diving position. The second photo was less regarding, as it was blurrier than the first, But the first photo is what served as evidence to believers that the monster had finally been caught on camera. However, many have dismissed this photo due to its blurriness as well and claim the photographed animal was an elephant, an otter, or merely a bird. I think it's still impressive there's an elephant in the lake. That... How often? Well, we'll get into Theories. theories as to why that might be because it is a very interesting theory. I think so. One major issue with Wilson's photo is cropping. The cropped version makes the creature's head seem much larger, like the long neck described by the Spicers. But in the 1990s, experts studied the photograph and the negative. They determined that, in fact, when not cropped, the photo depicted an item that was only about two to three feet long. Oh, so suddenly it's the... This was before Photoshop. So all they could do was crop it or get closer, zoom in, zoom out. Hmm. In 1999, a book titled Nessie, The Surgeon's Photograph Exposed, claimed to reveal the true story of the photo. In December of 1933, the Daily Mail commissioned Marmaduke Wetherell. That's such a good name. So great. You can't make that up. A big game hunter to find the giant sea serpent. Upon finding what he was certain were footprints of Nessie, Wetherell excitedly shipped them off to zoologists at the Natural History Museum for analysis. After examining the prints, the scientists determined they actually belonged to a hippopotamus. Whoa. And not even a real hippopotamus. Oh, Marmaduke. (laughs) A clever prankster, hoping someone like Wetherell would fall for their trap, 
had used a hippopotamus foot umbrella stand to make the prints. Oh, you've seen those in like 1930s movies where, I hope it's not real, but a lot of times it probably was, the foot of a hippopotamus and they've turned it into like a planter-esque thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. It wouldn't be that hard to just... Seems like it would be heavy and to a carry time consu- yeah and wouldn't your footprints be around it anyway it sounds like marmaduke got one pulled over yeah on yeah that's a good point why it's would embarrassing. your footprints be around it hmm, maybe um, uh. or if there's one set of pr- footprints it's when jesus carried <laughs> yeah him. maybe maybe this maybe he was wearing maybe he stilted it oh maybe like or he, he had his, one foot in and one foot out yeah just like i'm gonna go to and, bed tonight me thinking. and most of my previous relationships <laughs> you got one foot in, one foot out. not tommy no you're all in on tommy oh, I, yeah. i'm probably gonna go to bed tonight thinking about how he did that yeah yeah no <laughs> the logistics of faking it yeah absolutely nessie footprint whether else proof was revealed to be nothing more than a hoax leading great scorn and ridicule to rain down upon him poor marmaduke Hell-bent on exacting revenge against the Daily Mail for reporting his embarrassing mistake, Wetherell enlisted his son-in-law's help to aid in the revenge plot. His son-in-law modified a toy submarine he bought at Woolworths by using wood putty to make and attach a fake head, which he then affixed to the periscope of the submarine. Wetherell's son, Ian, and another friend, Maurice Chambers, also assisted in the plot. You think he got banned from the Woolworths? <laughs> You banned from all the World Wars or just the one location? I don't know. This seems, I mean, any good, any publicity is good publicity. This is also the picture that is the classic picture that mm-hmm. most people have seen, the black and white image with what looks like a brontosaurus's neck sticking out over the water and everything. Mm-hmm. So this is that image, if you're wondering what we're talking about. Yes, One we'll quick Google it. search, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I've seen that a million Surgeon's times. photograph. And we'll put it on Instagram and everything. Yeah. It looks very convincing. Imagine if it's 19, what year was Back it? then, I think people would have been convinced. The 1930s? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, There's for a sure. dang monster in that yeah. lock. People would have been real scared. Well, supposedly the men took the submarine to Loch Ness and set it adrift just offshore. They then took several photographs. When a water bailiff, which is basically a lock cop, approached, Marmaduke became nervous and stomped on the model with his foot in order to sink it and hide the evidence. I don't know why this visual is just so funny to me that he's like, smash it before they can see. He's got this big old submarine. He's just <laughs> smashing with his foot. Also, I love that there are lock cops. Yes. They Scots take this very seriously. He just walks around whistling, <laughs> swinging his baton. Making sure nothing unsavory is going mm-hmm. on. You got to protect Nessie. Yeah. Oh, At all costs. She has bodyguards. Basically. The story goes that Dr. Wilson was friends with the men, and when they told him of the practical joke, he agreed to sell the photos to the Daily Mail. So it was all a big conspiracy. Ah, he was in on the prank. It was him the whole time. He was in on the prank. As technology advanced, so did the purported evidence of Nessie. In December of 1954, Captain Donald McLean and first mate Peter Anderson were on their fishing boat, the Rival 3, which contained sonar technology. His name is Don McLean. He went on to write American Pie. <laughs> yeah. He was so fed up with this Scottish <laughs> bullshit. He moved back home. He wrote one of the greatest eight-minute classics <laughs> that good the 70s ever saw. Uh, Such a good song. He's like, I'm not going to the lock anymore. I'm going to drive my Chevy to the levee. And then he's like, it was dry. <laughs> the levee was dry. Oh, that song, when it comes on... It's, kind of it's a good jam. You stop down for eight minutes and you just to. rock the fuck out. Oh, you got to. If you don't, then you're not American. <laughs> then you should move over across the You pond. hate freedom, clearly. That's very much so. Well, at a depth of 479 feet, 
The men noted a large object that kept pace with the boat for about 2,600 feet before the crew lost contact. So it wasn't just some sort of log floating. Mm. It was more like a dinosaur swimming. Interesting. Throughout the 1960s, several universities sent boats of researchers out to utilize sonar technology and find Nessie once and for all. Although nothing definitive came from their expeditions, the students detected, quote, large moving underwater objects. Well, that's what you're going to find in a lake, probably. Explain explain what objects are moving on their own. (laughs) What? There's, if it's an, a log, it's going to maybe be, like, kind of floating. Well, there's another theory about logs that I think is pretty solid that we'll get to I have also. the best theory of all. It's fine. I'm saving that it it's for the dinosaur. end. No, I it's just not just I'm like gonna, that. I'm going to blow that theory out of the water. There's no way. Intended. You <laughs> don't have my theory. You don't <laughs> okay. know. Okay. Well, because a lot of people have said it's a dinosaur. Uh, it's a, the Pliosaurus. And many experts have come out saying there's absolutely no way it could be because... They could not have survived in that cold of water. They also, the timelines of when they existed wouldn't have matched up for it to still be a thing. My, that still leaves room for my theory. <laughs> okay, good. I I'll can't, save it. can't I'll save wait it. to hear it. In 1975, television and newspapers began reporting that scientists from MIT had actually captured photos of Nessie. And very briefly, 1975, it was still reasonable and rational to hunt the Loch Ness Monster. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't... You weren't a kook, except for Marmaduke. You weren't old Marmaduke. Marmaduke, Marmaduke had been revealed as an idiot because of the whole elephant from the hippopotamus foot situation. Yeah. But at this point, university researchers are out MIT. there. MIT. MIT was sending That's people a, out there. A very prestigious. A, yes, yes. Yes. One of the most. Well respected. Very. Absolutely. So at this point in time, it was a legit thing to be uh, pursuing. Incredible. Well, this expedition produced photographs that appeared to show the head, neck, and flipper of a giant animal in Loch Ness. Upon seeing the photos, Dr. George Zug, curator of reptiles and amphibians at the Smithsonian Institution, said, I believe these data indicate the presence of large animals in Loch Ness, but are insufficient to identify them. So here's the thing. Dr. Zug is a DC comic villain. (laughs) He did. He sounded very intense. So all these expeditions keep happening and it's the same conclusion every time. Something's down there. We just don't know what it is. Could be anything. I know Which what it is. is like we've spent so much money and time to where we didn't really find anything out that we didn't already know. Well, I think Dr. Zug nails it. There is something there. We just don't know what it is mm. yet. I know what your theory is. Don't say I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I want you it. at the end. You can guess it and I'll tell you if you're right okay, or not. Okay. Okay. Well, the Skeptical Inquirer published a critique of the photos, claiming they were fully forged. Oh, they would. <laughs> the Skeptical Inquirer. Yeah, it's they're in not, their name. They're, they're not, not called be, the Reasonablest Society. Yes, they're not going to support you. No. Well, after that, legitimate scientists were hesitant to pursue the search for Nessie. Well, MIT fucked it up for everybody. Pretty much. To get a more thorough scan of the lock in 1987, 24 boats were deployed across the entire width of the lock. Although the scientists made sonar contacts with a large unidentified object of unusual size and length, hmm. they were unable to gather any definitive evidence. Well, where it's the same song and dance. <laughs> this week-long project cost about one million pounds. This is getting expensive. <laughs> it's getting a little ridiculous. Leave her alone. Later, the scientists returned to the area where the large object was seen to rescan in hopes of gathering more evidence. Rather than discover Nessie as they hoped, 
they saw what appeared to be moving debris or possibly some seals who got into the lava. This all plays into my theory. <laughs> it all makes sense. You guys at the end, it's going to click like a black hole. Piece. It's not a black hole. Okay. Well, however, not everyone was convinced. The man who donated several of the sonar units used during the expedition, Daryl Lawrence, still maintained that the machines had detected something. Specifically, Lawrence believed the object captured on sonar near Urquhart Bay, about 600 feet below the surface, was significant. He said, There's something that we don't understand. There's something here that's larger than a fish. Maybe some species that hasn't been detected before. I don't know. Everyone is saying the same things, just in different ways. I love that this man is such a believer. He donated several sonar units. He just had sonar Take units em. lying around. Take Probably em. for this purpose. All He just, <laughs> every weekend, his wife's like, He's out Darryl, the garage. do you think this could be the weekend that you have dinner with us and spend time with your kids? What, are these sonars going to go hunt Nessie by themselves? No. You know Darryl. I got to get down to the lock. Daryl, your son's growing up without you. <laughs> so is Nessie. <laughs> In 1993, okay, so now this is like the mid- early 90s. Mm-hmm. This is still like well-esteemed people are still searching for this creature. Well-esteemed? What happened in 1993? What? I was just going to say, keep reading. Oh. Discovery <laughs> Channel? Not so much. You don't like the Discovery Channel? They lied to me, okay? They oh, is this look- about the Megalodon? Yes, forever. <laughs> I don't trust them. They're not a legitimate scientific news source. They made me think that megalodons oh. were real. They wanted you to discover it on your own. And then on my birthday, <laughs> Pam Welch had to tell me she's a wonderful woman and a kind, gentle soul and a loving mother. And she had to say, honey, no, that is a television show. And I said, no, I know it's a documentary. <laughs> on my birthday, oh. I skipped oil and gas class to go drink margaritas at Bandito's. And I sat at Bandito's with a sad margarita instead of celebrating... I had to mourn the loss of the Megalodon all over again. Wow. Ironically, dinosaurs give you oil and gas. How ironic. So maybe if you hadn't skipped it, they would have covered this that day. <laughs> it would have been like, it's actually dinosaur bones you're putting in your car. <laughs> Fun fact. Well, in 1993, the Discovery Channel began investigating the life inside the lock, not necessarily the monster alone. Okay, this is what I feel like we should have been doing much earlier than this. The whole time. Well, their research indicated that the previous understanding of wildlife in the lock was grossly underestimated by about nine times. They thought there were so many fish and it turns out it was just a shitload more. They've because all they've been concentrating on is this one maybe creature. Everything else is getting to it's like there's a bunch of debris. It's like we're fish down here. <laughs> we, we're people, too. <laughs> we live here. We were interesting. Does anybody want to talk to Shut us? Up. Get out of the way, log. <laughs> I'm not a log. I have eyes. I'm swimming around. I have a family. Oh, do you want to meet them? They're right down here Bad. under this log. You can see what an actual log looks Shoot like. Shoot them with a sonar beam. Oh, God. My children. <laughs> well, on their program, Loch Ness Discovered, they revealed that there was an underwater disturbance caught on sonar that indicated three sonar contacts followed by a powerful wake indicating some type of large movement underwater. Interesting. They're still finding out the same stuff, though. It's still pointing to my theory. The BBC also sponsored an extensive search of the lock in 2003, utilizing 600 separate sonar beams coupled with satellite tracking. This is what Nancy McKinney would call, they got more money than they got since. <laughs> She's not wrong. <laughs> 
After the entire lock was searched, the BBC researchers concluded there was no animal of any significant size. Lies. Fake news. Based on this, they concluded that Nessie was only a myth. Fake news. Well, fake I'm news. Glad in 2003, with just 600 sonar beams and satellite tracking, they were able to finally determine that. Liars. They don't know. Atlantis. That's my second guess for what you're thinking. <laughs> Not Atlantis. <laughs> Or an Atlantis-like situation. Scenario. Because Atlantis, we all know, is not in the Loch Ness. But we could have... It's beneath the Bermuda Triangle. Mm -hmm. With major networks like Discovery Channel and the BBC involved in the search for Nessie, the Scottish Natural Heritage, a government-funded body in Scotland, decided it was critical to devise a code of practice to determine what the government would do if Nessie was ever discovered or captured. This is your taxpayer dollars at work, ladies and gentlemen. yep. Step one after Nessie is discovered is to take a DNA sample. Step two is that Nessie should be released back into the lock. Most importantly, the code of practice declares that Nessie should be protected from harm above all else, which I love this. I agree. I love it. It's not kill it. We're going to find out as much as we can. And then we're going to forget this ever happened. And it didn't really change anything for the better. Nope. I think it's very respectful, but also appreciates the scientific uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Something matters. When something matters? Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I'm real... The whole time you were talking, I was thinking about how they would catch her and how sad she would probably be and it would be a very E.T. like situation I started to get upset <laughs> thinking about <laughs> thinking about aquatic little foot like in a giant net like flailing about trying significance. to get out. the word was significance. significance and they're trying to just like get DNA what are they going to do swab her mouth <laughs> like an ancestry excuse me can you spit into this cup could you spit into this tube? She's like, no, I don't spit. I'm a lady. <laughs> well, in 2018, okay, this was very recent. Still going on. Scientists began to gather DNA from the lock from depths of up to 656 feet deep, prompting Scotland's first minister, Nicola Sturgeon, to say that she believes there is a monster. This sounds like something our president would say. <laughs> And when I don't, I don't even like calling him our president, the president, because he is not my president. Not my president. The results are expected to reveal unknown species of bacteria and salmon previously undiscovered in the lock. And samples are currently being tested across the world at laboratories in New Zealand, Australia, Denmark, and France to be analyzed against a genetic database. Maybe they would have discovered all these had they been paying attention to all these sad little fish in the first place. <laughs> in the first place. Ultimately, the DNA could prove the existence of Nessie by showing any reptilian DNA in the lock, which would point to the existence of a Nessie-like creature. Professor Gimmel, a scientist working on the project, added, There's an idea that an ancient Jurassic Age reptile might be in Loch Ness. If we find any reptilian DNA sequences in Loch Ness, that would be surprising and would be very, very interesting. He was Australian, so yeah, I like that. I, I mean, in real life. Oh, he is. Yeah, I okay, trying, I okay. Him. I thought you just made a creative decision, and no, I, I was, liked I was it. trying to be realistic. <laughs> That's not a Nessie. That's a Nessie. <laughs> I didn't know if that would be a good joke, but I'm glad I said it. Oh, I think it was a very good joke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh well, if a giant prehistoric long-necked creature isn't lurking in the watery depths of the lock, it is. Then what are eyewitnesses that claim they've spotted the monster actually seeing? 
According to Ronald Benz, former member of the Loch Ness Phenomena Investigation Bureau. Yes, that is the thing. I want to join that so bad. I want to join it so hard. And author of The Loch Ness Mystery Solved and The Loch Ness Mystery Reloaded. He already solved it. How do you get this reloading? It's got to reload it. It sounds very Fast and the Furious (laughs) franchise. (laughs) Too locked, too monster. Come on. Well, Ben says an aspect of the human psyche is the ability for the eye to see what it wants and expects to see. Well, we talked about this when trying to see things in the dark. You try to make a sense of something. Your brain wants to, it runs on facial recognition. Correct. So if it doesn't know what it's seeing, it tries to make it out. Force. This also happened to me last night when I was trying to find my cell phone. Oh, no. Girl. I thought I had... I thought I was never going to find my cell phone again in my own bedroom. I was like, well, we're the house is haunted. Somebody came in and stole it. What happened? I it was in the bed, but I, <laughs> I, That's I made Tommy get out of bed. I was like, "You can you help me find the phone? I cannot find it anywhere. We looked everywhere, all over the house, rooms I hadn't even gone in. I was like, I feel like it's in the bed, but I kept pulling back the covers. And then I pulled back the covers and I was like, oh, there it is. And then I looked, I was like, Oh, that's not it. But my brain was convinced it was in the covers. So my, my my eyes made that connection that I really had seen well, it when it was just it a there. shadow. Yeah. Oh, it was a shadow the whole time. Mm, but then it really was in the covers just further down. <laughs> I had to strip the whole bed down and found oh, it. Oh, my God. Yeah. But <laughs> when I found it, I go, this is just like Loch Ness. <laughs> and he was like, what? You're like, what listen you to the episode, babe. <laughs> yeah, you'll find out. You'll find you'll out. You'll know. Well, it is quite possible that those hoping to spot Nessie and viewing the lock through the lens of monster hunting have misidentified other known animals like otters or birds. This could even happen with mundane objects like trees and logs. When I got my dog, the chihuahua, Lucy, the goose, yeah. my aunt saw her in the backyard and I thought that she'd seen a squirrel because my aunt was elderly at the time. Mm-hmm. So I came over and then I shockingly said, oh, there's a dog back there. And my aunt said, did you do you think I didn't know the difference between a dog and a squirrel? I'm old. I'm not senile. This is damn how it. you feel about people mistaking trees and a dinosaur? We need to be respectful of the Nessie spotters, people that have seen her. Mm. They know the difference between yeah, a tree. Don't gaslight them. Don't call don't them liars. Them. They know the difference between a tree and a dinosaur. Well, listen to this though, because I think this is a very strong theory. In a 1982 series of articles for New Scientist, Maurice Burton proposed that fermenting Scott's pine logs could be responsible for all the Nessie sightings. I'm sorry. Is this Maurice Burton, who we previously introduced (laughs) as Nessie Skeptic? That's his job title? he has a very good point. A British zoologist, popular science (laughs) author, and well-known Nessie Skeptic. We put it in his name. He's also a popular zoologist. (sighs) Well, these decomposing logs sit beneath the surface of the log, unable to release gases Been caused there. by decay because of its high resin level. Eventually, gas pressure ruptures a resin seal in the end of the log, <laughs> propelling it through the water and off into the surface. I've been there. All of these things. <laughs> I, yeah. I stood in a pool on 4th of July and double-fisted ciders for like five hours. <laughs> nice. You're describing my life right now. Well, according to Burton, the shape of these logs with their stumps and outstretched branches closely resembles descriptions of the monster. So I think people are looking for Nessie. They're looking out over the lock. She's rolling her eyes so hard right now. (laughs) And then one of these logs shoots up out of the water and it looks like a dinosaur breaking the surface of the water and its head might look like a little outstretched thing. 
And if you or you're seeing what you want to see because you're wanting to see a monster, so then your brain makes that connection. I think this is a solid. I theory. think I can explain this as part of my theory. This is part of your theory. I think the logs can be they can be included. Okay. Okay. Well, in 2006, paleontologist and artist Neil Clark suggested that what people were actually seeing were elephants from traveling circuses bathing in the loch. This explanation is often cited for explaining the surgeon's photograph. I think this is also very interesting. Wouldn't the circus be around? Well, they're traveling. So (laughs) they left the elephants behind to take a bath. Sometimes maybe they wanted to go on holiday. You would have seen a clown. Or the Scots call vacation. Go on holiday. What, I would think you would see clowns or monkeys or something else that's in the circus. I hope you don't see clowns. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> Clown of lockdown. Oh, God. <laughs> it pops out from between behind a bush. Speaking, I'm looking for a monster, too. I cannot begin to tell you how good season three of Love Island is. <gasps> is it? Are there Scots on Love Island? There is one, and she is a, a national treasure. Love it. What's her, her name? name? Camilla. She is... I She... I cried for her and with her today. Oh like I was, I honestly out loud, I went, Oh, Camilla. Cause it was so, like she is. And I get so many DMs all the time. It's like, don't you just love Camilla? Yes. I want to go on record saying I absolutely do love. Camilla. I love it. But honestly, I was, lo- I was crying. I was laughing so hard today at this episode because they are legitimately funny people. Oh, good. They all, not all of them, but a lot of them have just like, it's they remind me of if we were hanging out with a bunch of improvisers yeah. and they're just like very dry and sarcastic and funny. This is a really good season. Oh, good. It's Skip e- season two. Although I will say the amount of gratuitous sex that happens in season two. Arr. Yeah, I knew I was like, nice. Heather just wants to watch season two. Watch people bring <laughs> it is wild. Like I, I it's it's crazy. It's not. I haven't seen anybody have sex on this season yet, and I'm like oh, twenty episodes in. Twenty episodes yeah. and no bang. They're more because it's also crazy the difference in just everything really from 2015 to 2017. Mm-hmm. But specifically the women on the show and just like the topics that are discussed mm-hmm. and what they're willing to put up with and what they're willing not to put up with. Wow. It's so yeah. I don't know if maybe that's the thing, but the amount of sex in season two is. Staggering! Wow. <laughs> season three, somebody did have sex, but and they kind of showed it, but that's the only one person. Is, no, two, a couple of people have had sex, but it hasn't been like a lot. It's more focused on the talking and relationships because there's actual like good content happening in. This. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's what you hope. And for. also, I want to just thank all of our listeners that watch Love Island and DM me their opinions and updates because it is very fun for me to talk about to dish about it. I always feel bad if I'm the one answering the Instagram DMs for the show and I'm just yeah. like, I'll save this for Christy. Oh, I love it. Please yeah. don't stop. I'll flag them for you. Thank you. In 2013, Jeremy Wade, zoologist and host of the TV show River Monsters, concluded that Nessie is a Greenland shark. He's an uh, expert in monsters. And rivers. Yeah. <laughs> have you is... watched this show? I have not. Oh, my gosh. It's wild. He, well, this one is a uh, cryptid, I suppose, but he goes into actual things. And I remember one that I saw, he was hunting this, like, elusive giant catfish. And then he, like, catfish noodled it. And, fa- and it was yeah. it was insane looking. It was prehistoric looking. I think it had giant teeth. Nasty. He, he finds, he, like, goes after, like, actual river or lake type stuff that just aren't seen a lot. They're super rare. Yeah. I'd be into that. Greenland sharks are known to inhabit the North Atlantic Ocean around Canada, 
Greenland, Iceland, and Norway, making it very possible that they could also be in Scotland. They're adjacent. They're neighbors. Yep. These particular sharks are dark in color with a small dorsal fin and can reach staggering lengths of up to 20 feet. Just imagine for a second. It's huge. A 20 foot you shark. You are swimming along and you see this thing coming at you. 20, 20 feet is huge. It's hard to imagine how large things in the ocean are. Seriously. When I try and really think about the size of a blue whale it's, or a squid, or, I mean, it. my mind is blown. It's unfathomable. It really I mean, literally, like there are fathoms and fathoms They're that have never there. been discovered that who knows what the hell's going on down there. It's probably a real abyss situation, honestly. <laughs> have you seen that movie? Isn't that where the they abyss? sink down into the ocean and it's like hell? No, am I thinking? What movie am I thinking of? It's like what? Hell? It's like hell? No, it's not hell. Oh, God. Well, no. I mean, it's not hell because of what they find. This guy goes kind of crazy and starts just freaking out. But it's so good. It's an 80s movie. It's a really good oh, movie. Oh, no. I was thinking of one from the 90s. What movie is that? When they go down, is that Sphere? Was that all in their brains? I'm getting a mix of contact. All contact the is same. with Jodie Foster and it's, it involves she aliens. It. Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> Well, I think we're past it. It's all about her connection I saw that with when her I was father. A child, you know. Speaking of connections with your father, my family, my entire family, mother, father, sister, and I watched that movie as a child, and we hated it so much. That was like a running contact bit in our family about how much we hated Contact and how I can't even remember. We it. were like the English patient family where we were the only family that hated, hated that movie. It. Everybody around that time was like, "Did you see Contact? Oh my god, yeah. Jodie Foster so good." But we're like, "That movie sucked ass," and we felt like the only family that Is there felt something like that. where she's on a beach and she's at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really all I remember. I don't remember much about it. That was our family running joke is that we thought contact sucked. No one else thought that. That's really funny. Well, while the Greenland shark is typically a saltwater mammal, it is possible for it to survive in freshwater if it used adjoining lakes and rivers to find food. With the Loch Ness having an abundance of salmon and other fish, this theory is quite possible. River monster guy sounds like an authority. Well, despite endless searches of the Loch that have turned up no monster... There are still those that choose to believe a few eyewitness accounts over mountains of scientific evidence. Shout out. (laughs) For those also hoping to catch a glimpse of the beast, there are Loch Ness Monster watching parties, multiple sightseeing tours around the loch, and faithful groups that remain dedicated to proving once and for all that Nessie is real. All right. Okay. I can't wait. Oh, wait. You got to ask. So what do we think? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen Land of the Lost? (laughs) I don't think I have. Okay. It's a television show, both is in the 1960s animated? and the 1990s, live action. No. There is, due to a Pangea-like scenario, mm-hmm. the land cracks. Right. Leaving a hole open. This is what I thought you were going to say. You said black hole, which is not the same no, thing I as think Land of the Lost. you think there's a portal to another world under That is the correct. Water. When it cracks, surely it would cause, you know, those uh, logs to go shooting up. Sure. Maybe if there was a seal, it would go in and out. Who's to say? But Nessie, when you see these things moving, these large objects moving, is probably a dinosaur Mm. or a dinosaur-like creature. And there's a hole, a crack that comes and goes at the bottom with the shifting of the earth. So she's interdimensional. And she comes. And it could be. It's okay. In the land of the lost... I think they kind of try to explain it that it is a time portal, but I'm not saying it's a time portal. It may just be kind of a hole down there, and there's a whole other set of animals down there. So how would they have survived from the Mesozoic era? 
They don't have to. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a real dinosaur. So theory A is that it's a time portal and they're actually dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, strong theory, theory. Theory B is it's some sort of like Greenland shark sort of That's what I'm unknown thinking yeah. species yeah. that is shaped somewhat like a dinosaur, but a reptilian unknown species that is... Uh, hiding in the hovel where so you're saying that in the depths of the lock that have not been discovered or correct or, or explored yes there is some sort of cave or other big thing where creatures could be living a hidey hole or maybe a, a yeah like scientific or even like a tunnel or a path to another body of water correct. so they're coming and going inside like, the earth interesting i don't think that's crazy i think there's a nessie hidey hole and she goes in, in and there out is. in and out as she pleases i also think it's it could easily be something like a Greenland shark or just a really large. I think it's just a land shark. <laughs> land shark. Candy gram. <laughs> My dad woke me up when I was like eight years old to come watch that sketch on <laughs> SNL because he loved it so much. It's so funny. Um, yeah, I think it could be something that is undiscovered mm-hmm. or, or a prehistoric type thing. I mean, they find those things every All now the and then, yeah, where it's like, oh, we thought these were extinct. Surprise! We've been here the whole time. There's five of them over here. They were yeah, just we're just deeper. chilling. We just don't want to deal with your world, so we're down here in our land of the lost. I know that feel. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I would love a hidey I'm hole. I'm trying to be in my hidey hole right now. <laughs> Please leave me alone. I think that's a strong possibility. I think what a lot of people do see, though, are Logs. Logs or other animals. Logs and dogs. Logs and and dogs that get misinterpreted because they want it to be something else. But you know what? It's not doing anybody any harm except for the, you know, millions and millions of pounds that have been spent. Hundreds of millions of pounds. If that's what you want to do with your pounds, then... You know what? It's your money. You spend it. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's good probably for the area around Loch Ness. Yes, my brothers and mom went to Scotland and Loch Ness Mm -hmm. a few years back. They said it's it's gorgeous. It's very nice. Everyone's very nice. They do embrace the Loch Ness myth, and there's a lot of Nessie stuff. They did not go on a tour. Oh, man. I will tell you. I want to go on a boat ride. If I had been on that trip, I would have gone on a tour. I want to go on a boat ride. Yes, definitely. What if you're on a boat... And Nessie comes out. And and she bumps the under <gasps> underside of your boat. Nessie. Do you, still, do you still want to know? Yeah. Still... She's been real to me the whole time. Mm. Remember how you said your brother would go to space? Yeah. I would get eaten by a Loch Ness monster just to know the <laughs> just truth. Just to know? You get drugged down to the depths of where she lives. It's a good way to go. a nice, cozy little spot under the water. Nessie hidey hole. Yeah, where she just hangs out. Down with the sleigh stacks. I imagine she's got like a little, one of those multicolored knit oval rugs that you oh, see. Oh, definitely. You know, that are very homey and a floor lamp. She's got an afghan on her net legs. Yes, you know, a nice yes. cuddly. A nice worn-in recliner that oh, she sits yeah. in. She's got a little TV stand. That's so nice. She watches all the stories about her and just chuckles to herself. (laughs) If they only knew the truth. (laughs) She has a cup of tea every day at like three o'clock. Yeah, a cuppa. Well, let us know what you guys think. And if you think you've ever seen Nessie. I would welcome photographs, stories. Please send us some photographs. I would love to hear this. You've got that. Well, many of you have asked if we have a Patreon where you can donate to the show. We do. Our show will always remain free, but if you wish to donate to help offset the cost of making and hosting the show, you can visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner. You can get some sweet perks like Patreon-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout-out on the show, 
and a monthly bonus mini-sode. We've been blowing up the Patreon, Facebook. People have been sending news articles about the Bluebell yes. liquor. Yes. Somebody licked a tub of Bluebell, so we've been having and fun. And she <laughs> faces up to 20 years in prison. Quite frankly, not long enough, if you ask us. <laughs> I think it should be life. <laughs> or she has to do community service where she just like hands out Bluebell at schools for the rest of her oh, life. Oh, that's good, too. I'd be okay with that. that helps. That serves society. Yeah. Literally. We all benefit. Yes. She soft-serves society. <laughs> Yeah, that group is super fun. If you're in the ruling the airwaves tier, then make sure that you ask to join that because we interact a lot in that group and it's a really, really fun stuff. Lots of fun stuff going on. Also, someone told us an insane story about moving into a house and finding a cup of teeth in the house and then this full ghost story. There's a lot of like creepy real life stuff that goes on. It's great. It's a great group. My favorite on Facebook. Definitely. Well, make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out if you have recently subscribed to our Patreon. Some of you have sent us photos of yourselves wearing some awesome Sinisterhood merch. Thank you so much. Keep sending those. And if you also want some cool stuff, head to Sinisterhood.com and click Shop in the top right corner. It'll take you to a page where you can buy t-shirts, hats, mugs, and even a cool canvas tote bag as well as clothes for your kid. Or we decided you could put the baby clothes on a dog. Please do that and send photos. We still haven't seen that yet. <laughs> Not and yet. Quite frankly, I want to see that photo more than one of Nessie. <laughs> it's the, the ultimate. It's, it's like what unicorn. I'm living for right <laughs> now. Right. Please send it. So again, head to SinisterHood.com and click shop in the top right corner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SinisterHoodPod and like us on Facebook at SinisterHood. Christy, where are you? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and on Twitter at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I am on Instagram at Heather VS The World and on Twitter at MCK VS The World. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for supporting the Patreon. Here is your Patreon shoutouts. Kayla Matheson. Kelly LaPierre. Ariel Thatcher. Amelia Mahaffey. Sarah Wetmore. Kelly Clopin. Cece. Paige M. Carrie Bartow. Dallas shoutout Blue Thompson. Christy Fawn. Megan. Laura Feltham. Anisha Brostek. Amanda Glicker Jensen. You are the best. All of you, thank you so much for supporting the show. We love you so much. And be sure to head to the Patreon Facebook group and say hello. Thank you so much. Keep it creepy. Mwahaha. <laughs> Sinister.